Hi, I'm Susan Raff, and welcome to Real Talk. Our conversation today is elections, elections, elections. And there is a lot to talk about. And Stephanie Thomas, the Secretary of the State, is here to talk about what's happening in Bridgeport. Uh, once again, we are seeing some problems there. There's a lawsuit. There are questions of whether there's going to be another primary or not. So we want to talk about that. We want to talk about drop boxes. Some feel that that might be uh, the cause or uh, leading up to maybe uh, some uh, problems with elections, uh, that it gives too much room. Uh, so we want to talk about that. And also early voting in Connecticut, which passed in the legislature earlier uh, this year, which now allows people to vote uh, before Election Day. So without further ado, I want to welcome Stephanie Thomas, Connecticut's Secretary of the State. Thank you. Thank you, Susan. Happy to be here. It's a busy time. Um, busy. Elections are important. You know, we hear all the time, if you don't like the way things are, the way to make a change is to go and uh, and cast your vote. Uh, so with that, uh, what is happening in Bridgeport? So we have a, a, you know, a very close election, 251 votes. Uh, and now there is a challenge uh, by Mr. Gomes. Uh, he, you're actually mentioned on the lawsuit. How does that affect the state? the city of Bridgeport? How, where are things right now? Um, so thank you, Susan. Yes, um, I think everyone has been reading the headlines about what's happening in Bridgeport. It is an absolute um, troubling uh, videos that have come out. Um, obviously, the lawsuit is ongoing. Um, right now, it's in the hands of the State Elections Enforcement Committee uh, Commission and also the judiciary uh, system, the courts. Um, most people don't realize the secretary's office, we have no investigatory powers and no enforcement powers. So we are not subject to any special insider information any more than any of you reading the headlines. Um, but uh, I am hopeful that the judge uh, will uh, rule to have a new primary because I think there's just too much room for doubt. What about, all right, so, you know, I'm not sure how long this uh, court case will go on. Uh, and if they uh, decide that uh, that there should be another primary. I mean, if Mr. Gomes wins this lawsuit, that's what will happen. Um Will that happen? Will you have to uh, organize another primary in the city of Bridgeport? Yes, if the court orders a new primary, uh, that is what we will have to do. Um, and if they order a new primary, it would likely occur after the general election on November 7th. So then the court would also have to order a new general election. So I think we'll be living with this um, for some time to come. I don't have a sense of um, how many witnesses and how much longer the court case will proceed, but I would rather uh, the courts do their due diligence and we get this right and find out exactly what happened. Right. And if you, you know, read some of the reports, which I have, and I'm sure you have, I mean, it reads kind of like a bad novel. You have a couple of uh, people, Wanda Jeter Pataki, who's now been suspended. She's a city worker. She's part of the local Democratic town committee. Uh, she, there's surveillance video showing her putting absentee ballots uh, in a drop box. 
I mean, this is all very bad. And I believe there's some another person, Anita Martinez, also uh, dropping ballots. Uh, it just looks really bad. It it does look quite bad. Um, I, for one, am grateful that we had the drop boxes and that they were under surveillance because what most people um, may or may not recall um, in 2019, there were similar allegations with some of the same players, but it's been a longer investigatory process because there was no proof. Having that video exist, hopefully, will um, lead to a quicker um adjudication of this matter compared to, you may recall, that suit was, or that investigation was launched in 2019, and Seek just made a referral in 2023 uh, for criminal allegations, so it took a very long time. The video, I think, will short-circuit some of that uh, process. Right. And I think, you know, some would argue or say, yes, the system worked. You had a camera outside there and that worked. But how do you how do you change that in the future? And because of this incident in Bridgeport, it's brought to light, you know, questions over the drop boxes, which came into play during the pandemic, uh, gave people an opportunity to vote and not have to go in person. It does provide a lot more access uh, for people who have jobs, two or three jobs. They're working very hard. You know, I know you've been a big advocate of giving people more opportunities to vote because not everyone can get to the polls Mm -hmm. on election day, whether they have daycare issues, family issues. Uh, But is that too much flexibility? Should those drop boxes? I mean, this one was right outside City Hall, so it's not like it was in a corridor somewhere in the city. What can be done? Uh, You know, some say we should suspend drop boxes. That's what Republicans say. You know, what I don't want this situation in Bridgeport to do is cause an overcorrection in the wrong direction. (laughs) Um, We don't even know what happened. So, for example, um, take drop boxes. Um, I just mentioned the court case in 2019. Oh, I'm sorry, the uh, uh, investigation in 2019. The exact same complaints. This was pre-drop boxes. So, you know, whether or not there were drop boxes would not have changed this particular, these particular allegations. Um, I've seen in the news allegations about um, extorting or paying for votes. That's a whole different type of issue than I've also heard allegations of um, sort of deliberately misleading people who maybe don't know the ins and outs of the law, meaning like, hey, I can drop this off for you or, hey, it's okay for me to be in this room watching you while you fill out your ballot. Um, And that's a public education situation. So I would like to um, I hope the courts will help us understand what really happened so we can come up with solutions that work. Um, regarding drop boxes, ironically, the group that I hear love them the most are seniors who appreciate being able to drive up and put it in um, because they don't want to put it in the mailbox because they're like, well, I'm not quite sure if it's making it there. Um, and they don't want to walk down these long <laughs> town hall hallways <laughs> But um, uh, yeah, I definitely um, I have been talking with some legislators and, you know, I think everyone feels um, that 
these drop boxes should have video surveillance. Um, when they were first instituted in 2020, the secretary at that time um, had recommended that they be placed at town hall or police stations for that exact reason, because surveillance already exists. Um, so I hope all towns, if they're not doing that, they will install, but also watch the footage. <laughs> I think they are a deterrent. And maybe in this particular case, because it's become so notorious uh, that it could be a deterrent for others. Uh, You mentioned senior citizens. And I want to ask you about this because I think that the Gomes campaign, who, as you know, is running against uh, Mayor Joe Gannam, that allowing campaigns to have so many absentee ballots and go to dense housing uh, nursing homes, senior citizen uh, living, and have that many at one time uh, really kind of puts this in a, a situation where people can manipulate and get people to 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 vote. You know, it makes it convenient. Uh, but what about that? I mean, is that a good plan that these campaigns, no matter who is running, should get uh, so many absentee ballots? Should there be limits on how many they get at one time? I think it's a bigger problem than that, Susan. Um, Here in Connecticut, we rely on political parties and candidates to provide all information about voting. And what I mean by that, most people don't realize the Secretary of the State's office has no budget for public outreach, public information. If I did, I've heard these rumors about Bridgeport. I could have maybe had outreach officers in Bridgeport for the last month or two. I could have had um, ads running in Bridgeport saying, don't be duped. Um, you know, there's so many options, but we have no budget. Um, and I think that is the problem because election laws are very boring and very detailed. Um, I know when I was campaigning in like Wilton, Westport and Norwalk, when I was a state rep, You know, people were telling me things all the time that would not be legal. Like they would say, oh, I'm going to save a stamp and put me and my husband's ballot in the same envelope. No, you can't do that. My friend would say or like someone would say, "Um, I'm going to stop by my friend's house and drop off their ballot because I know she's busy. I'm like, no, you can't do that. People don't know the ins and outs of these laws, so we have to get the information to them um, beyond uh, relying on political people. (laughs) And it's also up to the campaigns. I mean, I think they can do a better job, uh, certainly at uh, letting people know what the rules are and such. They can certainly do a better job with that. And I'm sorry, Susan, I will. um, I, I left out one thing regarding your question. One thing I do want to propose in the next legislative session. Um, What I've heard often in Bridgeport, sometimes it's not a matter of quantity, but length of time. I don't think there's a reason, for example, why anyone should sign out absentee ballot applications eight months before an election. So I think it should be a shorter time frame, much like the online portal, which we only open um, a couple of months before an election. Um, So there are things like that, that this office will definitely be recommending to the legislature. That sounds good, I think. Right. I mean, do other, I don't know if other states do that, but I mean, sure, if you could have eight months, I mean, you know, a lot can happen in eight months. Yes, exactly. 
So as I, I'm aware that the legislature did appropriate some money, uh, you know, obviously not for the things that you would like all the time, uh, but I believe $25 million to modernize your equipment. Uh, and also this year, um, and they've allowed you to set up an election monitor for Bridgeport. Ironically, it's something that Bridgeport had been requesting, right, for a long time. It did not uh, mushroom out of this scandal or problem that they're having, um, but maybe because of years past where they've had problems with their elections. Uh, And you had mentioned, you know, it's a difficult thing to get an election monitor. Tell us about, you know, what an election monitor will do and when it will be in place. Sure. Uh, And Bridgeport has had an election monitor during the last couple of cycles. Um, So the election monitor for example, this allegations in Bridgeport now, an election monitor would not have um, made any difference because this is not a person who's going to be sitting outside of a Dropbox 24 hours a day. But they would be working very closely in the registrar and town clerk's offices, making sure um, that everything looks okay. Um, we changed the job spec a little bit this time to also make sure they are doing some community outreach and making sure there's an education piece there so that um, people feel like they can trust this person and let them know if some impropriety happens. But it's a very difficult position to fill because one, they need to have some sort of cultural competency so that people in the neighborhood will trust and let them know of any impropriety that's happening. Um, they need to be a little knowledgeable, at least about who's who in the community. Um, obviously, knowledge of Connecticut election law. They need to a working knowledge of election procedures so they know like what is a best practice and what isn't. Um, and then on top of that, it needs to be someone who only wants two year job security that pays um, a set fixed amount with no benefits like health insurance. So it's not that easy. It's been a couple of weeks. We put out um, notices, uh, many different places. Um, so we are now in that process of collecting resumes. We'll do interviews. And, you know, they gave us a short lead time. Um, our goal is to have someone in place by uh, November 7th. But I'm not sure if that will or won't happen um, because I uh, we have to remember this is a two-year process. And I think it's more imp- important that we have the right person and not just any person. Yeah, I want to move away from Bridgeport, although I think it does have ramifications as we move forward, as we go to early voting next year. You know, people around the state will say, you know, how do we know that what happened in Bridgeport is not going to happen here? Uh, but early voting is important. Connecticut was one of only a very small number of states that did not have some form of early voting. Now we do. The legislature uh, approved that. Tell us about that and the plans that are now underway to make sure that it goes as smooth as possible. 
Yes, I'm very excited. Early voting, it was worth the wait. Um, we are uh, due to roll it out in the presidential preference primary election, which will be April 2nd, 2024. So that will be the first election. You'll see early voting for that particular election. It's a four-day period. For the August primary, it'll be a seven-day period in next November, 14 days. Right. And so what do registrars have to do? I know one of the concerns raised was that, um, you know, they're going to maybe have to bring on more people. Uh, You know, some of these registrars are part time. Town halls may be only open a few days a week. So what kind of money and is there enough money? Maybe I'm always sure there isn't. uh, But to to make sure that registrars can roll this out. Correctly. Yeah. So um, definitely not enough money, but I'll tackle that last. Registrars will have to do a lot. Um, much like on election day, registrars have assistant registrars, deputies, they have moderators who run polling places. So it's usually a registrar is not running the polling place. So people should just keep that in mind. So with early voting, um, every town has to have one location. Towns 20,000 or more, with uh, population 20,000 or more can have more than one location, but it will rely on either deputies, assistants, or moderators to run that uh, polling location. Um, and it will require training. There's equipment that will be needed, um, software, etc. Um, so all the registrars are very committed to making sure that it's a smooth rollout. Um, the legislature appropriated $10,500 for every town uh, for the April election. But right now, there's no money in the budget for the August or presidential election in uh, next November. I'll be requesting a mid-year adjustment for sure. Um, but I hope um, anyone who thinks the state should be funding this, I always recommend they write to their legislators. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good plan. You know, I mean, I, prim- uh, presidential elections draw huge numbers of voters. And I think we're going to certainly see that in November. Mm -hmm. And it's important to keep in mind because people remind me every time that, you know, we had a very big presidential election. We had primary, you know, just a few months ago, primaries, and we saw very few problems at all. Right. And in fact, we had during the pandemic, uh, we had a presidential election and uh, the largest turnout ever or record numbers of people. And we had very few problems. But unfortunately, when situations arise, like in Bridgeport and a few other places, that that causes people to lose their faith in elections and question the integrity. Well, I think you're right. I'm very confident in our overall election integrity, security, et cetera. Um, there are, I spend most of my days every day speaking with some type of election worker, whether it's a registrar, town clerk, a poll worker. And I know the time and effort that they're putting in to make sure all the rules are followed, the I's are dotted, T's are crossed. Um, you know, even if you look at the broadest specs, um, not only in Connecticut, but across the country, when you look at the incidence of um, some sort of uh, election malfeasance, we're still talking like 
0.0006% of votes cast. Um, So I think people should feel confident. But I tell everybody, if you see something, say something. (laughs) Um, And if you have education around how all of this works, make sure you tell your friends and neighbors. Most people, many people in Connecticut in particular, only vote once every four years. Uh, A smaller group more vote every other year. There's such a small percentage of people who vote in every election. So you forget. Um, So I ask everybody listening to help educate your friends, neighbors, family, et cetera. Right. And, you know, speaking of education, one of the things that I find every election, or I should say in a, a primary is that Connecticut doesn't have an open primary. And many voters still don't know that uh, and think that as long as they're registered to vote, they can vote in a primary. And the reality is it's a two-party state. And so if you're not registered as a Republican or Democrat, uh, you really can't vote. Um, Do you ever see that changing? Because I know your uh, predecessor, uh, Denise Merrill, felt that Connecticut should do that. And other states do allow unaffiliated voters to vote in primaries. Yeah, um, it's a good question. I mean, a good point. A lot of people don't quite realize what unaffiliated is. Um, It happens to be our largest voting block right now. Some people are unaffiliated because they, uh, for their jobs, um, and, you know, there's a host of reasons. But um, I just want to clarify because people get confused. You can vote in a general election. So that's the November election, which is the one coming up. So every single person who's eligible to vote can vote. Um, but in primary elections, we have in Connecticut what are actually called semi-closed. And what that means is both of the major political parties have the right within the state to open it up to people not in their party. Um, so sadly, it's not a decision that I can make, but the political parties can make that decision. But I remind every single person always check your registration because if you went to the DMV and fast forwarded by some of those screens that tell you you have to reconfirm your party, um, you may now be unaffiliated when you thought you were registered with a party. So you can do everything on our website, myvote.ct.gov. Thank you for that, because I recently encountered those problems in Derby. People didn't know that they some thought that they were registered in a party. Some thought that they were registered. So it's probably a good idea right now to check. Do it now. Don't wait till Election Day to show up and find out that you can't. Right. Yes, absolutely. Check in advance. Um, And, you know, a lot of people. think, because we investigate these things, uh, not investigates the wrong word, but sometimes we'll get a call like, how come I'm not registered? So we go back and look and we see they were never registered in a party, but people think just because they vote a certain way, which we can't record, (laughs) you know, that that they are of that party. So someone may say, I've always voted Democratic, but you could still be an unaffiliated voter (laughs) if you didn't register as a Democrat. Well, thank you, Stephanie Thomas, Secretary of the State. Uh, Sounds like, you know, in the next uh, few weeks, uh, you may have to have a primary in Bridgeport or not. 
or another election. That sounds complicated. Uh, I, I, I wish you well. Is there anything you want to add before we let you go? And we definitely would like to have you back on Real Talk real soon. Uh- Absolutely. I stand ready to do whatever Bridgeport uh, demands. Um, And just remind everyone, Election Day is Tuesday, November 7th. So please get out there. If you're eligible and not registered, register um, and make sure your voice counts. Thank you, Stephanie Thomas. Thank you for joining us on Real Talk. Thank you for listening and watching, everybody.